Matthew chapter 21, beginning with verse number 1. If you found it, would you say amen? When they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage under the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you. Straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. If any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and setting upon an ass, and a colt the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. A very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from, from the trees and strode them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth, of Galilee. I titled the message there with verse number 10. When he was come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? That's what I want to title our message tonight. Who is this? Father, we thank you again for your word, our time together. Lots falling to preach the word. I pray for your anointing upon the preach word tonight. I pray you'll anoint every ear to hear it, every heart to receive it. Lord, you know every need here tonight, some that aren't here because of great need. I pray that you'll work miracles both here, God, and for those, Sister Murphy in the hospital, others at home trying to recover from surgeries or sick. Some are out working. I pray you'd be with them. But, Lord, touch us around this altar. Just a little bit, Lord, don't let us leave like we came. Meet every need in Christ's name we ask. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Somebody could ask along with the individuals in our text who did not have the luxury of being a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. John said, as a follower of Jesus... Man, if I could write everything down that I heard Jesus say, if I could write down to you every witness that I was made privy or had the uh, privilege to get to see with my own eyes, if I could tell it all, then all the books in the whole world would not be able to contain the things that we heard him say and the things that we seen him do. Amen. You know what that makes the Bible? The most edited book in the whole world. He did so much that all the books in the whole world couldn't tell it all. But God gave us everything that He wanted us to have that pertained to salvation, that pertained to deliverance, that pertained to victory, that pertained to His will for our life. So every word of the Bible has to be important to God because all the books in the world couldn't hold everything Jesus did so he concised it into 
an edited version that you and I would have everything we need pertaining to our salvation and our victory in Jesus. If we could ask today or somebody were to ask of us, just as these individuals asked the disciples who placed their clothes upon the, the back of this donkey and ushered him in to Jerusalem as he is about to be crucified so that he can be raised again on the third day. As they were walking alongside it, of him, many throw uh, uh, palm branches down in the road, and they cried, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And others who were in the city were moved. They were stirred with passion. And they asked the question, Who is this that's got the whole city stirred up? Who is this man riding upon this colt that, that is moving the entire city? And they answered, some of them did, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. I can tell you he was so much more than a prophet. I believe that had to come from people that didn't know him very well. They just had heard of him. They knew a little bit about him. But he was so much more than a prophet. If they could ask one of us who know him intimately, no, really. If he's more than a prophet, who is this man called Jesus really? Amen. According to John in his gospel in chapter 1, he is the Word. And he was with God in the beginning. <clears throat> Being with God, he was also equal unto God. According to John's gospel, all things that were made were made by him so according to john not only is he the word and the word that was with god and the word that was god he was also creator like unto god according to john he is the life and the light of men in him was life and the light was the or the life was the light of men according to john he was the word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. If your Bible could grow skin and muscle and tissue over the top of it, arms and legs, and could speak to you audibly, it would be Jesus. Do you hear me? It would be Jesus. He was the Word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. No wonder the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. We understand by faith that the world was framed by the Word of God. God didn't need something to make anything. Caleb was saying in the theology class at, at Central that one of the students brought out, well, Hey, some scientists took, you know, whatever they took and heated it up with a laser so to so and so degrees hot and it formed amino acids. So really in the right situation and circumstance, even man can create life. I said, well, God took nothing and made something. 
He didn't need something to start with. We understand by faith that the world was framed by the Word of God. Amen. He just spoke and God said, let there be. And there was. Amen. He didn't start with anything. He didn't need to start with anything. Amen. He's all sufficient in and of Himself. He was the Word made flesh that dwelt among us. And according to Abraham, we're asking who really is this man called Jesus. According to Abraham, he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. And you say, well, hey, that's you're talking about Jesus and you're getting him mixed up in the Old Testament. No, no, Jesus uh, always was and he always will be. Amen. In John 8 and verse 56, he said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old. And hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Woo, hallelujah to God. Oh, that was blasphemy to them. But Jesus counted it not robbery to call himself equal under God. What he was saying was uh, they esteemed Abraham as their father and they esteemed Moses as the giver of the law. And he was saying Abraham before uh, Abraham was the patriarchs, uh, amen, I am. And I am was uh, the name uh, Jehovah unto them that was sacred. He said unto Moses, who Moses said, who shall I tell them that has sent me? He said, you tell them I am. That I am has since before Abraham was, he was saying, I am. I'm the voice that spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. I'm the one that called Abraham out of the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. In Genesis 22 and verse 7, and Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where? is the lamb for a burnt offering. And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And in verse 13, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Mount Moriah is the current place where the temple mount now is Uh, and it was on mount moriah right there is better known to you and i in the new testament as uh, mount calvary the place where the lamb of god gave his life god did provide for himself a sacrifice more so than a ram in a thicket Uh, amen it was the lamb of god jesus uh, the, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Moses would tell you tonight, he is the great I am. He's the one that spoke to me out of a bush that, that was on fire that would not be consumed. Moses would tell you he is a cloud by day and a fire by night. He is uh, the one who makes a way in the wilderness where there seems to be no way. Moses would also tell you he is a rock in the wilderness uh, that gives water for all to drink uh, freely. Amen. The page, or, or uh, the prophet Daniel would tell you he is a stone that is cut out uh, of the mountains. Uh, amen. That shall consume all the other nations uh, of the earth. The three Hebrew boys would tell you tonight uh, he is the 
fourth man in the fire. The wedding guest of Cana of Galilee would tell you we know him to be a winemaker. The disciples would tell us tonight he is a peace speaker. Amen. He is a sea walker. They would call him he who feeds 5,000 with just two fish and five loaves. The wit of name. A man named Lazarus and Jairus' daughter would call him the resurrection and the life. He is he that raises the dead to life again. The man born blind. A man who saw men as trees walking. And a man named Bartimaeus would tell you tonight. Uh, he is a blind eye opener. Hallelujah. The man with a withered hand would call him a very willing and able healer tonight. The ten leprous men in your Bible would call him the leper cleansing man from Galilee. The Samaritan woman would call him the Christ who gives unto us living water. Mary Magdalene would call him a soul saving, sin forgiving, Rabboni who can cast out seven devils if he so chooses. The man from Gadara would call him he who clothes you, he who gives you a sound mind, and he who sends you home with a testimony. Can you say amen? Mary Magdalene along with the disciples would tell you he is Jesus, he who is risen from the dead and has the keys of death and of hell. Hallelujah. On and on and on we could go tonight about the witnesses in the Bible and what they would say, what their stories read. But the, in, the, in the book of Psalms, in chapter number 90, Moses said, We spend all of our days as a tale that is told. In other words, we spend all of our life telling a story. People see our life, and our life reads like a book. It reads like a story that you would that's being told, that's being put on display. And in the New Testament, uh, Amen. God agrees with Moses in the Old Testament, as He said, uh, "All of us, as believers, uh, are epistles uh, that are known and read of all men." An epistle was an informative or an instructive letter. Uh, your life is an informative and an instructive letter for all men to read and to know. Amen. So that tells me tonight that you have a story. It tells me tonight that you have a testimony. And if somebody were to ask you just really, who is this man called Jesus? You would want to tell them, well, he was a man born... You know, in Bethlehem, he lived in Nazareth of Galilee after a short time sojourning in Egypt. Amen. He was called a prophet. He was called a teacher. Amen. Some even dared say he was the Son of God. Amen. That's what the people were saying in Jesus' day. But Jesus requires you to give an answer. Peter. Who are all these people saying unto you that I am? He said, some say that you're Jeremiah who was uh, sown asunder between the porch and the altar. Some say you're Jeremiah that's come back from the dead. Some say, you're, you, you know, you're the, 
uh, reincarnation of Elijah the prophet with such boldness that you have and the miracles that you work. Uh, some are now saying that you're John the Baptist that has come back uh, from the dead who had just been recently beheaded. Uh, and he said, Peter, you know me better than that. Who do you Say that I, the Son of Man, am. I say that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's a personal, personal witness and a personal testimony on Peter's own account of who he said Jesus was. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood have not revealed this unto me, but my Father which is in heaven. No man can call Jesus Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Uh, if you know Jesus at all, it's because the Spirit of God has revealed Him unto you tonight. He's not looking for a historical answer. I can read a history book and tell you what a history book or an encyclopedia has to say about George Washington. The time period in which he lived. He can be called one of the founding fathers of our nation, of our country. A general in the Revolutionary War. The first president of the United States of America who, who uh, was married, his wife's name Martha, on and on you could tell, but I did not know George Washington, nor will I ever know George Washington. He is gone. Amen. He is born again, I'll see him in the glory land. But I don't know him, and I got a good idea nobody in this room knew him. Amen. On and on we could go with other Figures, whether they were political or whoever. We've heard tell of them, but you can't just hear about Jesus and make it into the city. You've got to have a no-so salvation. A salvation that requires intimacy between you and the Savior. You have to have more than a head knowledge. Of who Jesus is. I want to ask you. If somebody asks you tonight. Who is Jesus? I need to know. Amen. Who is Jesus? I need to know. I shared a, a little bit. Uh, of my personal testimony. With the uh, uh, class there at Central. The other day as I was teaching. Because uh, uh, the, the teacher. Miss Blanton wanted me to. She said you can start out with who he is, you know, from a biblical perspective, uh, uh, as creator uh, or whatever angle you want to take, but I want you to bring it all the way down on a personal level. I want you to tell the students who he is to you and how you know he's real and how it relates uh, to their life. Listen, we're open epistles, known and read of all men. God wants you to tell your story. We, we've... Quoted tonight from the book of St. John. We've quoted from, from really all of the Gospels, the accounts that tell the story of men and women that had interaction with Jesus, that met Him, that walked with Him, that talked with Him, that experienced who He was firsthand. And, and we can read all of those epistles, whether they were from uh, one of the disciples, from the Apostle Paul, or whoever. But amen, your life is an epistle. You've got a book that you're writing. 
And it's going to tell the story of who Jesus is. How many pages, how many verses, and how many chapters that are in your book is totally up to you. I'm going to say that again. How many pages, how many verses, and how many chapters is in your book is totally up to you. Just how intimately do you want to know him? Just how much do you desire to walk with him? Just what do you desire tonight for him to do in your life or through your life? Amen. Somebody were to ask you, preacher, who's Jesus? I can tell you first and foremost, he, he's a Savior. He's a Savior. Well, how do you know he can save? Because he saved me. That's a personal account. Now, the man that was born blind... They ask of Jesus who sinned, him or his mama and daddy. Had to be a good reason he was born blind. Jesus said, well, his mama and daddy, that their sin, that's not the reason he was born blind. I didn't punish him because of their sin. Well, how was it because he sinned? No, he's blind from birth. How can an innocent child that don't know, that's never even lived his life, don't know right from wrong? How could he be held accountable of sin? No, it's not for his sin either. He said that it's for this reason that he was born blind, that the glory of God might be manifest in him. Amen. I want the world to know that I'm he that can open blinded eyes. That's why he was born blind. He was born in need of a healer. He was born in need of a savior. He was born for this uh, uh, purpose that I might be revealed in his life. And do you know that's why you were born? That Christ might be revealed in your life. Somebody said, I was born to be a doctor. Oh, that's a minute reason that, that you were born. That's just a small, small detail of why I was born, uh, you know, to, to, to be a lawyer. I was born to be a teacher. I was born to be a lawman. I was born to be a firefighter. I was born to be this or that. You were born to be conformed to the image of God's Son. You were born, Paul said, for this reason. He said, it pleased God that He might reveal His Son in me. That is the will of God for every one of us tonight. Amen. It pleases God to reveal His Son through every one of us as believers. What so, somebody say, what uh, is it to you with a man born blind? Brought it down to a personal testimony. He said, look, if you were healed, if you, if you were really born blind, and you were really made whole, and you were really healed, then give the credit to God. Give the glory to God, not to this sinner named Jesus. Uh, he said, hey, he said, we know that God hears not sinners. He said, but whether or not he, he, he's a sinner like you say he is or whether he's from God like I say he is, he said, this one thing I do know. He's saying, you guys are the Bible scholars, not me. You guys are supposed to know the Scripture better than I. He said, but this one thing I know real good. Whereas I was born blind, Jesus touched me and now I can see. 
that much I know. And nobody can take personal experience away from you. Whereas I was born in sin. David said in sin did my mother conceive me. It meant he was born with a sinful nature. He was born with a heart. Amen. Sold under sin as the Apostle Paul said. He was born with the Adamic nature until he was born again. This I know I was born a sinner. And tonight I'm born again. That that was sin is made holy or made righteous by the blood of God's dear Son. Amen. Old things have passed away and behold all things are become new. That has to become your testimony. Who do you say that Jesus is? I say that He is indeed a Savior. He is indeed a Savior. I'm not the man that I used to be. The Bible said, can, can, you, you'll know a, a tree by its fruits. He said, a good tree can't produce our evil fruit. And an evil tree cannot bring forth good fruit. How do you know a tree is an apple tree? Because I plucked an apple off of it and I ate it. How do you know that was an orange tree? If you go down in South Florida, it's hard to tell the difference. And they start, you know, putting off fruit. All the fruit's green. They all start off fairly small. I'll say, I've been down there with Brother Hanks. I'll say, an orange grove. He said, no, those are grapefruit. they all green. I'll say, that's an orange grove. He said, no, those are lemons. Come on. Amen. Well, if you wait long enough, this is what he told me. If you wait long enough, you can't tell from a distance. If you wait long enough and let the fruit start to ripen and mature, you won't have any trouble. You won't have any trouble. Amen. And sometimes we like to judge a book maybe by its cover. Or, or, or we like to judge somebody. But when God first starts in them and not when He allows them to grow... But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, if you'll just give them a little while and let the Lord work in their heart and life. It won't take long. Uh, not only will you know, the whole world will know Jesus lives in their heart. Uh, they'll see it for themselves. Uh, oh, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. You know who made that statement? Well, the psalmist David did in the Word of God. But you want to know, in our generation, the only person that can say that is a believer. He that bears fruit. Uh, oh, taste uh, for yourself and see the Lord. He is good. He is a Savior. How do you know? Because He saved me. The Apostle Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. That must become your testimony. That has to be your testimony. What sin has He saved you from? More than I can number. More than I can number. More than I want to remember. This is all you need to know. That He takes all of our sin. A-L-L. All. Cast them as far away from us as the east is from the west. First John 1 and 9. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
God, the Apostle Paul is preaching and writing in one of his epistles under the church. And he said, but such were some of you, thieves, adulterers, fornicators, blasphemers. He said, effeminate. I mean, he listed about every sin you can make mention of. He said, and such were some of you, but now ye are made nigh by the blood of the Lamb. My God, he had saved them from their sin. They had been made nigh or brought into a oneness or a closeness or an intimacy and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Them that were You know, without God, with no hope in the world, strangers from the commonwealth of Israel, cut off from the Lord, dead in trespass and in sin, are now alive in Jesus Christ, born again, saved, washed in the blood. Was that your testimony tonight? Somebody would ask me, Sullivan, Who is Jesus to you? Well, first and foremost, He's a Savior. He saved my soul. It's born again. Second, He is to me a wonderful counselor. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is a wonderful counselor. Because to me, he found me when my marriage was in ruins and just about on the brink of being over. And when he saved my soul, he saved my marriage. Do you hear me? I said, when he saved my soul, he saved my marriage. And I'll tell you tonight, he is still a wonderful counselor. Glory to God. I got about four amens. He is still a wonderful counselor. You know what that means? Uh, He is a mender of broken relationships. If there's somebody tonight that uh, you can't go to them and hug their neck or shake their hand or tell them you love them, uh, amen, I want to recommend to you tonight a wonderful counselor. You say, how did he fix it? Uh, But he fixed me. Now I'll tell you where problems in a relationship began. They they began with you. I'll say, well, you don't know. I wasn't a problem. They were the problem. Amen. Well, that's always the story on both sides. Amen. That's always the story on both sides. Now realize that... uh, Sometimes in relationships there is an offended party and a offensive party. There is sometimes people that, you know, get wronged. I understand that. And I'm saying it's our part in Christ to forgive. It's our part in a relationship to forgive. I'm not telling you if your spouse went out and committed adultery. Amen, that you got to put up with it. If your spouse uh, beats you like a punching bag, that you got to take that. You hear me? But I am saying you can't go to heaven with hate in your heart. Hello? I said you can't go to heaven with hate in your heart. I want to tell you there are more relationships in this world and in the kingdom other than husband and wife. What about relationships with parents and children? 
Amen. I said forgiveness. He mends broken hearts. He fills my way with love. You can never know how destroyed the relationship between me and my mother-in-law was. You just can't know. You can't go there in your mind and say, I can, I can imagine. I don't think you can. One time my uncle, who lived right across the street from Kim and my mother-in-law up in Crossroads, he called my mom and dad one day and he said, I think you better maybe come over here. If you don't, oh, Eddie's going to wind up in jail today. My dad said, what's going on? He said, I don't know, but it can't be good. He said, I can hear them two screaming at each other all the way across the highway. Highway 225, there in Crossroads. It wasn't good. And for years it wasn't good. At family get-togethers, there were none when it come to in-law get-togethers. Just weren't any. I told Kim, that's your mom. I won't keep you from her. I, you know, if y'all want to be close, you know, you, you ought to be. It's your mother. But there won't never be a closeness with me and her. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. And the feeling was mutual. You know the night I got born again. Not only did I know my sins were gone. In that I felt a peace that passes all understanding. My sins were gone. Tears flowing down my cheeks. And I had uh, the Bible said the fruits of the Spirit are these. Love. The first fruit. The first thing God will put in your heart is love. You don't have love, you don't have nothing. Amen. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. Glory to God. Hallelujah to God. I've never understood people that claim to, to be Christians, and then I've preached in circles of men that claim to be holiness preachers that don't have love. Almost pride themselves in hating. Amen. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. And they mark anybody that's not like them and they label them as the world. And they can come in church looking like the world, smelling like the world, dressing like the world. Talking like the world. And they act like they hate them. I want to tell you, if people can't come to the church and find help, well, I guess there's no help for them at all. If people can't come to the church and find the love of God, then pray tell me, where can they go and find the love of God? They ought to be able to find it in the house of God. Hallelujah. If you'll let them get good and saved, God will take care of everything you frown your nose at. Amen. Well, I'm just talking to you about relationships with people. Love covers a multitude of sin. This is how I knew I got born again. I called my grandpa and told him, Hey, Grandpa, I got saved. I called different other family members. Hey, I got saved. Oh, that's great. Happy for you. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now I told Kim, there's one more call i got to make. 
She said, who's that? I said, I need your mama's phone number. She said, what are you going to say to her? Because that was never a good conversation in times past. I said, I want to tell her I got saved. I called her and she answered. I said, Francis? She said, yeah, who's this? I said, it's Eddie. She said, is Kim all right? Is Kirsten all right? She thought maybe something happened. Could be the only reason I'd call her. I said, everybody's fine. I said, I called you to ask something of you. She said, what's that? I said, I want to ask you to forgive me. She said, for what? I said, for all the ugly things I've ever said. I didn't say, if I've done anything that might have offended you, if I have ever done anything that you thought might have been wrong, what that's really saying is somebody saying, I don't think I'm wrong, but if you think I'm wrong, I'll ask you to forgive me. I just want to throw that out. I said, I want you to forgive me for everything I've done wrong. Everything that I ever said to you that was wrong, I'm sorry. And I'm asking your forgiveness. She began to cry on the other end of the phone. She said, I never thought I'd hear you say those words. I thought to myself, well, here it comes. I was right. Yes, you were wrong. And yes, I forgive you. (laughs) It's hard for a relationship to be restored when it's all one-sided. But I thought that's the way it would be. And if it was, and so be it. And she said, I thought I'd never hear you say those words. She said, you don't know how long I've wanted to say the same thing to you. But I didn't think you'd accept it. And we both had a little cry. And I said, there's one more thing I need to tell you. She said, well, what's that? I said, I love you. Man. She surely never thought she'd hear that. And do you know every time we talk to each other now, we say that? I love you. As you know, as a matter of fact, everybody I talk to, if I get to know them, and I count them as my friend or my brother, they hear me say the words, I love you. I've watched some people get weirded out before. They ain't never had nobody tell them, I love you. There's men in this world that's never even had a dad to say, son, I love you. For, to, for a man to say that, he's got to be weak or something. Well, if that's the case, when I'm weak, I'm made strong. Amen. That's what the apostle said. I, there ain't a day that goes by that I don't tell my wife and all three of my children, I love you. Every time I talk with them, I love you. I want them to know if my heart quits beating and I don't ever breathe another breath that they were loved in this life. I want them to know that God done a work in me and that my life was to exude the love of God. It was for Jesus to love through me. Folk, the easiest thing you can do is love because God is love. Even even people that I've had awful encounters with, people that get angry at me, people that holler at me, people that fuss with me, people that want to argue with me, 
It seems like that any time I'm put in that situation, that the grace of God, we're seeing it abound, the grace of God did much more abound whenever I'm put in that situation. And Lord, help me. Lord, help me. The, uh, he knows that when I testify it, He'll require me to live by Lord knows that I'll be tested again. I'm not asking for trouble. I'm just telling you in times past, whenever I've been put in a troublesome situation, somebody would say to me, Raphael said to me one time, he said, oh, Brother Eddie. He said, what that man said to you in Ecuador would be a great offense. Did you know, Brother Eddie, he insulted you? I said, in America, Brother Raphael, those words are words of great offense. Those words are meant to be a great insult. He said, but Brother Eddie, your response was very tender. Your response was very soft. Your response was filled with love. I thought maybe you didn't understand. I said, no, I completely understood. I said, but Raphael, what you didn't see, it was Jesus welling up inside of me. If he didn't live in me, there wouldn't have been softness. There wouldn't have been tenderness. There wouldn't have been kindness or love. It's Christ in us. It's Christ in us. He's a wonderful counselor. He mended my broken relationship in my home with my wife. In, in my relationship with my mother-in-law. I've been reconciled countless times to people that thought they had an offense against me for whatever reason. Sometimes you will offend people. And a lot of times and hopefully all the time, not on purpose. But if you ever do, the love of Christ covers the multitude of sin. You won't care who's right or who's wrong. The only thing you'll care about is being reconciled to your brother. Do you, you find that to be Bible? Yes. When you come to the altar and you bring your sacrifice or your offering to the altar and when you get there, God reveals unto you that your brother has all against you. Then leave your gift at the altar. Go and make it right with your brother and then come back and worship God. We've said it before, the cross got two beams. A vertical beam, that's your relationship with God, you and God. That's got to be right. And a horizontal beam, that's you and your brother. That's got to be right too. Hello. I said, that's got to be right too. Who is Jesus to you? He's a Savior. He's also a wonderful counselor. Who is Jesus to you? More than that, he's a healer. You know the Bible says that by whose stripes we were healed. Amen. He told he made a covenant with Abraham. He said if you'll keep my, or he made a covenant with uh, Moses and the children of Israel rather through the law. He said if you'll obey my commandments and keep my statutes, I'll put none of the diseases upon you that I have put upon the Egyptians for I am the Lord thy God which healeth thee, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. God is a healer by his nature. 
It's who he is. He is a healer. He is the healer. You can call upon him. Any among you sick, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil and pray for them in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And if they have committed any sin, it shall be forgiven them. And the Lord shall raise them up. The Lord shall raise them up. He is a healer. I told you the story. Out there working that flower bed. Young man, 28 years old. That knee was shot from playing ball, thrusting off the mound my whole life. Doctor said, man, that ligament, that main uh, ligament there, the ACL, he said, that's like a rubber band that's been stretched all the way as far as it can stretch. And it's just about to pop. He said, it's got all little frays in it. Your knee just wiggles and wobbles. He said, you're going to have problems out of that. He said, one day you'll be having to have surgery on it, but the surgery's not as bad now as what it used to be. Pretty bad for a boy that's on a low salary and don't have any insurance. It's pretty bad. I couldn't even go up the steps at church like that. That's how bad that knee was, and I was trying to work in the flower bed, and it was so bad. I'd get down on one knee, hold that leg out straight, work like that. I'd get up. I'd have to get up like that. I'd begun to walk stiff-legged. I got to crying one day, and I said, Lord, I can't afford no surgery, but I know you are a healer. And, Lord, I'm asking you, if you will, to heal this knee. I know you can, and I believe you will. I just prayed and talked to him for a while, walked on home, got out there the next morning. I'm going to finish the flower bed up. I'm down there. All day long on both knees, pulling weeds and trimming hedges and everything else. At the end of the day, the Lord said, you ain't even going to thank me, are you? I said, Lord, I got so much to thank you for. I said, what do you want me to thank you for? He said, I healed your knee. And I went. All the way across the street, back to the park. I'm waving them hands. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody said, well, that ain't, that ain't much. Maybe your knee wasn't hurt as bad as what you think it was. No, my God is a healer. No, my God is a healer. I was there when my baby girl was born with a growth underneath her tongue. You know, as big as a quarter. Puffy thing. I was feeding her a bottle and her tongue was protruding out. And I held her tongue up and I looked and I thought, what is that? And I reached in her mouth and I touched it. Just a, just a large growth of flesh. About as big as a quarter. And I said, my goodness, what is that? I showed it to Kim. She said, don't know. Troubled us. Showed it to the nurse. She said, troubled her. She said, I'm going to have to let the pediatrician, the doctor, look at that. He came in and looked at it. He said, that is a, a, a growth, an abnormality. He said that was inside the body. We would call that a, a mass, a tumor. He said, now we're going to have to cut that out. I'm going to schedule her for surgery. We're going to cut that out, have it sent off to the lab and find out if it's uh, cancerous, benign, or malignant. Man, when he said that word, my heart just plummeted. 
old. I was lost when Kirsten was born. And that's how we got saved, me and Kim. She was running 105 fever, had been in the hospital for days. I was lost. I couldn't get a prayer through. God wasn't going to hear my prayer unless it was a prayer for salvation. And so my mom and dad's next door neighbor tells Brother Tim Carley, my neighbors have a son and, and his wife. They're, they're lost. They don't go to church nowhere. They're not saved. Their little girl, two years old, is in the hospital. She's sick. If you'll get in the car, go down there and lay hands on her. God will heal her, and we'll get them people saved. That was his faith. So Brother Tim said, I will. And he visited us in that hospital. When he opened the door, I knew he was a preacher because my grandpa was one. He come in and says, this is the Sullivan family. I said, it is. He said, Brother Drum told me about your daughter. He said, I'm Brother Drum's pastor. I said, well, thank God you're here. He said, can I pray for your daughter? I said, I wish you would. He laid his hands on her, prayed for her, asked God to heal her. And an hour later, she woke up. She had been a sick, sick baby, sleeping. All that medicine they got her on, nothing will break her fever. She hadn't eaten in two or three days. She sat straight up in the bed and said, I'm hungry. We went to shoveling food in that baby's mouth. She ate and ate and ate, and that fever was gone. And the nurses came in and said, maybe some of the medicine has kicked in and started working. I said, ma'am, I said, a preacher come and prayed for her, and God healed her. That's what happened. She said, well, whatever happened, the doctor said, if she's fever-free for 24 hours, you can go home. I can just tell you what, but a few months later, we was born again. Amen. Caitlin's born with that growth in her mouth, and this was my prayer unto the Lord. Lord, you've always heard my grandpa's prayers, and I know you've heard Brother Tim's prayers, but now I'm saved, and now I'm born again, and now you're my father, and I'm your child, and I need to know that what you've done for them, you'll do for me. I'm kneeling down in that little chapel room in a Catholic hospital. And I'm praying, oh God, I need you that when I go back up to that nursery and call to get my daughter out of that room, I don't want them putting a scalpel, a, a, a surgical instrument in my daughter's mouth. I don't want them to cut on her. I don't want them to find anything wrong with my baby. I, I'm going to dedicate her to you, Lord. But I need you to hear my prayer. And I need you to heal her body. And as God is my witness, uh, after about an hour of prayer, I got back in the elevator, went up to the floor where the uh, babies were, the, the maternity unit, uh, and I walked in that, or walked to the glass of that nursery and said, we'd like to have the Sullivan baby. She said, I'll bring her right over. Brought her, and the first thing she did, you know, uh, in that little uh, bassinet, I picked her up. First thing she did, Brother Danny, was yawn. Stuck my finger in her mouth, lifted that tongue up. It was gone. Hallelujah to God. Gone. Hallelujah to God. I said gone. In the name of Jesus, it was gone. Who is Jesus to you? He's a healer. That's who he is to me. A savior, a counselor, a healer. Yes, sir. A nurse came back in there. I said that thing in her mouth has gone. She said, no, sir, it can't be. I said, yes, it is. She looked in her mouth, took a Q-tip, a swab. She said, it is gone. She went to searching through the bassinet. I said, it ain't in there. She said, well, she most likely swallowed it. And we're going to have to 
We're going to have to look through all of our diapers. We need to send that off and have it uh, tested. We need to make sure that that wasn't cancerous. I said, ma'am, whatever it was, it's not in the bassinet. Uh, It won't be in the diapers. Uh, It's gone. The healer, the healer of all of our diseases. Uh, Amen. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness. Uh, Amen. Who healeth thee of all thy diseases. Uh, Oh, I said, it's gone. She said, I don't know anything about that. Uh, I said, well, I do. His name is Jesus. uh, And I just came from the chapel. I've been talking to him. And he proved himself to me. Who is Jesus to you? Amen. Just like he called Abraham out of Ur the Chaldeans, he called me out. He called me out and separated me from sin, and he separated me from sin unto himself. Amen. You call that sanctification whatever you want. Many are called, but few are chosen. You want to know who's chosen? The ones that answer the call. That's who the chosen are. Many are called, but few are chosen. It's the ones that hear and answer the call. And He called me unto Himself. He called me unto salvation. He called me unto sanctification. He called me. Amen. To preach His Word. How else do you get a boy out of Satsuma, Alabama and put him in Foley, Alabama? How else do you go from the, you know, the guttermost uh, to the uttermost? Uh, This was a lamp uh, making warehouse. It was not a church. Uh, but I can tell you when they cleared the light off uh, and they poured the foundation uh, that God had a plan. I said God had a plan. Uh, that the, whoever owned this building and started that business, uh, they didn't know it, but God said, Thank you, sir. Thank you for digging those footers. Thank you for laying that slab. Thank you for putting that building up. Because I got a boy right now over in Pascagoula, Mississippi. And while you making lamps, I'll be getting him ready to preach the gospel. And when he's ready to preach the gospel, I'm going to put your lamp company out of business. And I'm going to put Bible Way in business. It's a call. Amen. God has called every one of us to do something in the kingdom of God. Have you heard the call? And if so, have you answered the call? Amen. Who is Jesus to you? He's a Holy Ghost baptizer. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. You say, well, I believe that, but I believe all that came to pass. Not only did it come to pass, meaning it happened, but it still comes to pass. It still happens. This promise is unto you, unto your children, unto all them that are afar off. Listen to this now. Even unto as many as the Lord our God shall call. Has God stopped calling? He's talking about the call of salvation, the call to repentance. The call to believe the gospel. The call to come and follow me. If that early church needed the Holy Ghost, uh, I can tell you, we sure need it. If the early church had to have uh, His Spirit in order to do His works, uh, I sure need it. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Every promise is in Him, yea, and also in Him. Amen. Every promise. Salvation, healing, Heaven and the Holy Ghost. 
Who is Jesus to you? He's my Holy Ghost baptizer. How else can you take a boy so shine bashful that he can't talk to anybody, won't hardly look anybody in the eye while he's holding a conversation and put a holy boldness in him, not only to preach right here in Foley, but wherever God will open the door and send you. Hallelujah. It takes Holy Ghost fire. Holy Ghost power. Some people say, well, I just can't. It's not my personality. I'm shy. I'm backwards. I'm bashful. I'm uneducated. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You'll receive power or you'll receive strength after the Holy Ghost has come on. You can. He can. Preached a message a long time ago when I can't. He can. Come help me, Kirsten. I'll close tonight. Amen. I've told you who he is to me in a few words. Who is Jesus to you? We could let everybody testify. and We'd all have similar testimonies, wouldn't we? Amen. He's my everything. And so much more. Amen. If you want to stand tonight, if you're able to. This altar call is going to be one similar to that day, what we call the triumphant entry. They strode palms or palm branches in front of him and they cried, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I don't have a palm branch. If you lift your arms up, stretch your hand out, right in the middle of that hand, you got a palm. This is going to be our altar call. We're going to throw our palms up before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're going to worship him. We're going to praise Him. Because when you go back out into that workforce tomorrow morning or tonight, depending on what shift you work, you go back out into that workforce, you go back into that classroom, somebody's going to ask of you, who is Jesus? And you're going to have a good answer for Him. But tonight I want you to praise Him for all that He is for all that he has been and for all that the word of God promises he will be praising God is the easiest thing you'll ever do because he's been so good to you amen if you can make your way and find your place around this altar as Kirsten begins to lead us in worship I want us to find us a place and let's give God the praise